Welcome to the Conversations with Christians Engaged podcast. I'm your host, Bunny Pounds, the president of Christians Engaged. This ministry exists to awaken, motivate, educate, and empower ordinary believers in Jesus Christ to do three things. To pray for our elected officials and our nation regularly. To vote in every election to impact our culture and to engage in some form of civic education or involvement for the well-being of our nation. So thankful, Bunny, for what you do. A lot of people talk the talk, but you really walk the walk. I love it, love it. Love teaming up with you, Bunny. So excited about what you're doing and the people you're reaching. And And I will stand and lock arms with this woman of God, Bunny Pounds, any day of the week. Bunny, you are a new hero of mine. America is worth it. Now is the time. America needs your involvement. Please take our pledge to pray, vote, and engage. Join with a movement of other Christians that are doing these three simple things that can really impact this nation. Join us. Hey, everybody. Bunny Pounds with Christians Engaged. We are on an incredible topic as we talk about the life issue in a post-Roe world. It's different, guys. Things are changing. But what an incredible victory we had as far as the life movement to see Roe v. Wade be overturned by the Supreme Court. But that just means it's just the beginning. We're going into a new season, and that means we have to fight these battles in the state houses. We have to engage more in our local communities. We've got a lot of women and men that need help related to this issue. And so we're having this series to talk through some of the great leaders in this movement to empower you to do that as Christians. Amy, it is so great to see you from Embrace Grace. How are you? Good. Thanks so much for having me. Let me introduce you. Amy Ford is the president and founder of Embrace Grace Ministries. I love what you guys do. You wrote a book, um, Help Her Be Brave, Discovering Your Place in the Pro-Life Movement. Um, everybody should get that book, but also you guys empower local churches to be the answer in the movement. Can you start with that? Like, how do you guys uh, empower local churches and Christians to speak out and to disciple people as it relates to life? Yeah, well, we just want the church to go beyond just a vote. Like we, it's good to vote and, but let's be the action. We always say pro-life is a stance, but pro-love is an action. And it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And it's his love that changes people. So we created uh, a curriculum that is used in churches all over the nation that's actually for the moms. So the church looks for girls with unexpected pregnancies, either within the church or outside the walls of the church in their community, through pregnancy centers. A lot of times pregnancy centers refer girls with unexpected pregnancies to the church. And then they go through our 12-week discipleship curriculum. They get a baby shower that is part of the program. Like sometimes that's even the hook that, you know, that gets them to even want to come. But they get so many and everything's brand new. Just uh, so much stuff Mm -hmm. that they practical things that they need. But we want the church to help them spiritually, practically and emotionally and walk alongside them. We can't just say, good luck. Hope it works out for you. We got to walk alongside them and help them and make sure that no single mom ever walks alone. So we are, we're in almost a thousand churches in all 50 states that have Embrace Grace support groups. And 
even on our website at embracegrace.com, you just put in your zip code and all of the local churches that have Embrace Grace groups in their area it, are listed in like the night of the week that they meet and what address, you know, and the leader's contact information so that these girls can make sure that they are not uh, walking alone. And we, our heart is that we want the church to be one of the first places a girl runs to instead of the last because of shame and guilt in that situation. Mm. And the abortion rate is exactly the same inside the church as it is outside. So there's no difference. And it's one in four and one in three kind of fluctuates that of women have had abortions. So they're in our pews and they don't feel like the church is a safe place to reach out and say, I need help. I need prayer. I need wisdom. I need guidance. They just run away from it. And so what could we do as the church And, you know, there's over 300,000 churches in America. If we all were doing our part in all using the gifts and strengths that God put inside each one of us as a people, like, you know, the church is a building, but we are the church. So all of those strengths that God put inside of us, what can we do to make abortion unthinkable and unnecessary because of all of the love that we have to offer as God's people? Well, you just took a whole bunch of our Christians Engage talking points because even in civic engagement and voting, we don't have a difference between the general public and people that call themselves born again Christians. And so it's time for a change, guys. We gotta like um we've gotta change this narrative of what the church looks like. And I love that it's really the heart of discipleship, right? We're supposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel, teaching, empowering. And that's what the local church is about. And if we're not reaching people in their point of need, what are we doing? So, Amy, you started this ministry because of your own personal story mm-hmm. of being in church as a teen that was pregnant, right? Right. Uh, can you share a little bit of that? Yeah. So I had an unexpected pregnancy when I was 19, and I grew up in church. My parents kind of made me go, but I didn't really have a relationship with the Lord. I just mm. went all the time. So I found out I was pregnant. I was totally terrified. I was scared of telling my parents, um, you know, the enemy lies to you and tells you like the worst case scenarios that can ever happen. Your life is over. Your dreams are over. Yes. All of these bad things that we think that could happen. And so me and the father of the baby, even though we knew abortion was wrong in that moment, it felt like a real option. Like we mm. could just deal with the consequences of a broken heart later. Let's just go through the motions and have the abortion. It just felt like a quick fix, even though we knew the ramifications of our hearts, you know, would be destroyed. But we went and we actually paid for the abortion and when I went in to have it done, they were um, explaining how they do it. And I actually ended up hyperventilating and passing out in the abortion room. Oh, wow. And so when I came to uh, one of the nurses was fanning me trying to give me a drink of water. And she said, you're too emotionally distraught to make this decision today. You can come back another day. But today you're not getting an abortion. So I went back out in the waiting room and told the father of the baby, we're still pregnant. And so we just decided in that moment, okay, like if we're going to be homeless and all of these terrible things that we thought, at least Mm -hmm. we have each other. So we knew we were high school sweethearts and we knew we wanted to get married someday, just not necessarily in the order, you know, that it ended up happening. But we ended up getting married when I was 16 weeks pregnant. And we had asked the uh, this pastor that had led my husband to the Lord years before we had asked him if he would marry us. And he said, no, I'm sorry, because you've sinned, I cannot bless this marriage. And we were like, oh, my gosh, wow. we are such horrible people. We can't even be married and be blessed. And and so we found someone else that would marry us. But it definitely felt like the scarlet letter experience, mm. you know, just this heaviness and shame. 
And then we tried to go back to church, but it's like the elephant in the room and people don't know whether to say congratulations or I'm sorry. So then they don't say anything and you feel alone in a crowd of people. So we just kind of stopped going for a really long time. But that pastor that wouldn't marry us, he actually did call my husband two years later out of the blue and he asked for for forgiveness. He said he felt like it was his worst mistake in pastoring history that he had ever made. And my husband adores this pastor. He was just like, yes, of course, I've missed you. You know, I forgive you. And um, and we ended up having a son and we were still, well, now we're coming up on 25 years of marriage and, and we have four kids, but our son is 24 and he is amazing. He actually works in the pro-life movement. He works for live action, which is, um, wow. you know, a yeah. pro-life ag- advocacy organization. He's, he has his degree in theology and he has an MBA and he is writing, um, pastoral curriculum and, and sermon notes for, uh, pastors would be able to talk to talk about life without like getting into the politics of it, just more yes. about the action. And um, and so he's doing that through live action. And he lives in our neighborhood. He's married to a labor and delivery nurse. Like <laughs> I just it was so close that he wouldn't be here. And I'm so thankful to even like to see the impact that he's made and he on the world and he travels and speaks and and writes for focus on the family. And just he's amazing. Wow. And but when he was 16, that pastor that wouldn't marry us, he called me and asked me to come speak at his church. And he's I live in the Dallas Fort Worth area and this pastor is Austin, Texas. And so he asked me to come speak at his church. I talked about pro love. Afterwards, he asked me to come back on the platform and he asked my son, Jess, to come on the platform, who was 16 at the time. And he in front of everyone. His whole con- which he had been very open with his congregation before I got there. He had told them all like years ago, I had a religious spirit. I had a Pharisee heart. This is what I did, wow. you know, years ago. He's very open with them. But I get up there and um, he said, Amy, in front of everyone, he said, Amy, years ago, I asked your husband for forgiveness, but I never really asked you. Will you forgive me? I was like, yes, of course. I forgave you. This was 16 years ago. Like I forgave yeah. you a long time ago. Well, then he looked at my son, 16, in front of the whole church, and he said, will you forgive me for planting seeds of rejection in your heart before you were ever even born? And while you were in your mother's womb, I rejected you. And my son, 16, in front of the whole church says, I forgive you. And it was such a powerful moment in that room, like the fact that you could feel church wounds being lifted, Mm. that that he would humble himself in that way and ask for forgiveness. And I think it was even healing for Jess and his side of the story, you know, that he has his own perspective of like almost being aborted, you know. Um, But going through all of that, like really made me reflect on like why I went to church every week. Yes, I didn't have a relationship with the Lord, but I went to church every week. Why did I not think that the church was a safe place to ask Mm. for prayer or wisdom or guidance or support? And I, no one ever told me what a pregnancy center was. And back then there were pregnancy centers, but we didn't have Google, you know, or search right. engines. So we had to just, we just looked in the phone book for an abortion clinic and went straight there. If the church had told me what a pregnant, that they're free pregnancy centers right. in our communities right. everywhere, right. like I would have gone there. And then even starting Embrace Grace, like we never, we never thought we are starting a pro-life organization because I didn't really even have context of what that would mean. Like if someone would have said, I work at a pro-life organization, I would have assumed that meant picketing or something because that's the only thing the media likes to show of Mm. what pro-lifers are. So I, we started Embrace Grace just thinking we want to help women with unexpected pregnancies. Never, I just, I wasn't super political. I had no context of what that meant. 
But this care um, after we had started and my first book came out, an organization called CareNet, which is like a pregnancy center training. Yes, yes. Um, love CareNet. Yeah, they were happened to be in Dallas that year for a huge conference, and they asked me to come speak. And they said, "We'll give you a free booth if you, you know, work do a panel." This is back years ago in late two thousand thirteen, I think, or fourteen. And we were like, sure, never heard of you, but sure, we'll we'll come. And so we set up a booth. And when I was there, I was completely blown away by all of the vendors. The vendors were pro-life organizations that were boots on the ground helping women. I mean, there were grants yep. for single moms. There yep. were maternity homes. There were pregnancy center training booths. I mean, there was so much support. And I'm walking through these aisles looking at all of these pro-life organizations. And I'm like, how have I gone to church my whole life? And uh, no one ever told me none of that this existed, that there's a whole world of help and support out there. You're making me cry. That I had no message. idea. Yes. Right. And why can't we just, you know, I know pastors sometimes shy away from talking about abortion or, you know, abortion is wrong, you know, all of that. Okay. But let's at least talk about the support. You know, yes. if you're in this situation, we are a safe place. We know about the resources as the church. We know about the resources in our community that can help you. Yes. We will help you. We will walk alongside you and and to make the church a safe place. And a lot of times I talk to pastors, and one thing that I hear kind of quite often is like, oh, we don't have pregnant people in our church. So it just doesn't really apply to us. Well, number one, you do. Like, there, you do have pregnant people in your church. And yep. if they're not coming to you to tell you, then that means they're leaving to have abortions. But number two, say it is an older senior citizen, tiny church, and you really don't have young people that could be pregnant. You know, say you really don't. Well, look at this as an outreach, just like you were saying earlier. Like, mm -hmm. go into your community. part. Go talk to your pregnancy centers in your community and say, we want yes. your girls that yes. have unexpected pregnancies. Tell them it's a safe place at our church. We want to walk alongside them, wrap our arms around them. We want them to be a part of a spiritual family, and we want to help them. And Look at it at just like if you go feed the poor or go do things in your community. This is another mm -hmm. thing that you can do that is actually empowering women to be brave in their life decisions. And if you look at the top five reasons why women have abortions, like fear is the root of all of them. Like fear of being alone, fear of their parents getting mad, fear of education being interrupted, financial, you know, fear is yes. the root of all of it. Yes. So how can we help her be brave and see the bigger picture of where in so that she's not making a life-changing moment that's going to affect the rest of their life based on that crisis in that moment like how can we help her see the bigger picture and we as the church can help her do that uh amy you're speaking my love language mm -hmm. which is the body of christ is the answer and and we so often forget this and we forget that there are hurting men and women in our churches that are dealing with this issue uh, a lot of people know you know, my story, I ran for Congress in 2018, and the reason why I got all the pro-life endorsements is because I had publicly shared our story, which is my husband paid for a couple abortions when he was 16 and 18 and held it in his heart, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it, it, you carry it for it, really it forever. I mean, God him. heals, yeah. but still, it's something you remember the birthday, you remember. I mean, it affects you. It affects men and women. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, for 10 years, he didn't tell me. He didn't, you know, I, I knew he had a pre-Jesus days. I didn't know didn't need to know all of the details of his life. But um, when that came out in marriage counseling, it was like it, it totally re revolutionized our marriage, right? Because there was no more secrets. And, and God wants to heal people. And 
we're supposed to be the hands and feet. We're supposed to be the shepherds. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be the the spiritual mothers and fathers. And we so often just sit and get fed and are not looking for opportunities in our own community. And then let's talk about crisis pregnancy centers or, you mm-hmm. know, because they are underserved, mm-hmm. understaffed, underfunded. Mm-hmm. And what can a local church do to come? This has been my big message the last few months to come and say, you know what? That needs to be a part of our our missions budget. We need For to have sure. an Embrace Grace group and mm-hmm. we need to have uh, this part of our missions budget to help. Yeah, I love that Tony Evans is one of my favorite pastors, and he says that the pregnancy centers are the first response team and the church is the hospital. Mm. And I love that. Like, together, we can really link arms and make a difference in our community. They are the the first time a girl's, like, maybe seeing her sonogram, hearing the heartbeat. They're hearing for the first time, you can do this. You're going to be a great mom. But then having the ongoing support through the local church. And so uh, us doing it together, we can make a big impact. I give to my own pregnancy center in my own community yep. because I believe I firmly that this is – that they are the hands and feet of those first crisis moments um, to help them. And so we can't just vote a certain way and then not be putting our our funds or volunteer time or something into the local pregnancy centers. Yep. They are the boots on the ground finding these women. They're the, kind of like God's search and rescue team, you know, for these women and then getting them plugged into a church for the ongoing support because the church can love on them forever if they'll stay connected, you know, yes. to the church. The church can walk alongside them forever. So many pro-choice people say, oh, you only care about the baby. You don't care about, you know, but the church is forever because we are a family. We're the family. Right. And so, you know, she can make a choice whether she wants to stay connected or not, but together we are a family. So. Yeah, I'm very passionate about preg- pregnancy centers. Churches should be sewing into um, their pregnancy centers through their outreach budgets, even raising awareness. Like I said, I went to church my whole life, had no idea that they existed, like letting them know this is a place to serve. Everyone should be giving to and they need to just have an awareness because God's going to bring people in in their path that need help. And yeah. so they need to know what the resources are in their community so that they can get her connected to a place that can help her. So good. Well, and, and you guys partner with large churches, small churches. Mm-hmm. I mean, gateways of the world to probably small uh, rural communities. Sure. And it's it's so powerful because, um, you know, our heart with Christians Engaged is to get people to understand they have a call as it relates to America, mm-hmm. to not leave this nation alone without light and salt in it. So praying, voting, and engaging. So we're in this series, even as we talk about a post-row world, we're talking about advocacy. Mm-hmm. We're talking about crisis pregnancy centers. We're talking about raising up the next generation of pro-lifers. We're going to talk about um, just a gamut of things. But I think this is the one that's closest to my heart. How do we get the church involved and in, in being those mothers and fathers in this space? So walk us through this. If a church partners with Embrace Grace, because I know there's people listening to us that are elders and pastors mm-hmm. and leaders, um, how do they how do they walk that out? How do they sign up? How do they get your materials and kind of yeah, become well, a partner? You just go to embracegrace.com and just fill out the form of like you're interested in starting a group and it will immediately email you like a sample chapter. What's so cool about leading a group is there's digital curriculum. So mm-hmm. there's a book curriculum too, but it, you just press play. So you don't have to worry about trying to prepare a lesson or, you know, figuring out how what you're going to teach. It's yes. it's plug and play. Yeah. It's all done for you. 
powerful teachings that's exactly what they need to hear, plus great testimonials of girls that have walked through. So you press play, and then we give you the handouts that go along with each lesson, little activities they can do, icebreaker questions to talk through during the class. Um, Plus, then there's digital training that they can do at their own pace of like, how do you find the girls? And how do you find your local pregnancy center? And how do you throw a baby shower through the church? All of those things, um, it's all done for you, all of the training and everything. So it is, anyone can lead. You don't have to, sometimes people are like, well, I'm not a pastor or, you know, or maybe if they knew my story, maybe they wouldn't want me to lead. But actually, all of us have a story and actually that connects them even more when they see that you, what you've been through and what God has done in your life, that they connect to that because they're like, okay, if God did that for her, then maybe God will do that for me too. It could look different, but yet we all have a gray story. And so don't disqualify yourself from leading a group, everybody. And we also have Embrace Legacy for dads. Um, So men out there that are listening, if you want to lead a group at your church for single young dads um, that are impacted by unexpected pregnancies, we have curriculum for you too. So good, Amy. And I think people underestimate the power of a story, even as they walk somebody through healing, right? If you're the one that's walking them through healing and restoration, and then you meet somebody else, you now have a story to tell of how God's worked in an individual's life. And that story alone will impact the next person's life. Right. So like everything that we do is like the snowball effect to seeing the kingdom of God impact people's hearts and lives. And and that's so powerful. How have you seen the the work of the ministry and everything y'all do change since Roe v. Wade is overturned? Is it changed at all or is it the same thing? Is well, there more? definitely was an influx. Like when Roe was overturned, there were a lot of pastors that reached out, okay, what what do we do next? You know, what what now? Uh, but in Texas, you know, the heartbeat bill had been passed a year before that. And yep. so we we kind of had had foreseen a little bit of like, okay, what is the response going to be if Roe is overturned? And kind of prepared for that because what we're finding out is that a lot of pastors, like, I think they just sort of check it off their list. Like, oh, Rose overturned. Great. Like, you yeah. know, the, and even though half the states still offer abortions and half exactly. don't. But um, they kind of just check that off the list and then they haven't really thought, what does that look like now? Like, what are the ramifications of that? When there are women in our community that are terrified of what their future holds for them and what is this going to look like. And so a lot of times it's more about educating the church of like, hey, you know, we're not done yet. There's a lot. There's actually a lot of work for us still to be doing. And this is our time as the church to rise and stand Mm. up for these women and help them. And so once we like have the opportunity to educate them of like, okay, actually, you're not done and on top of that, we have the tools and the answers to be able for you to be able to help these women. Then yes. they're like, OK, sign me up, you know. But I think it's more of like an awareness issue of um, I mean, we, like I said, we definitely saw an influx, but I think it's kind of evened out again. And mm-hmm. so really just trying to talk to pastors of like, hey, did you know that there is a way that you can help make it unthinkable for these women? Because really, like I'm in a, in a state where you can't have abortions. But they're making it easier and easier to go across state lines to get an abortion. So it's still available to them. It might be harder for them to get, but it's still available. So as the church, though, how great that we can make it unthinkable, you know, that they're making a decision not based on, well, I was forced to be 
to have this baby because I couldn't didn't have access to an abortion. But actually, they feel empowered yes. to make a life decision because of all the love. Why would I need to have an abortion when there's so much love and so much support by my local community and, and that I feel like I can actually do this? And that's what we can do as the church. Yeah. It's it's powerful what happens when arms uh, are, come around you and say, you know what, you're going through a hard time. Let's do this together instead of being by ourselves, right? right. And I think it's your message is so important that we remember that, that, that there's Christian young people and Christian singles out there that, you know, are at different spaces of discipleship, right, mm-hmm. and are falling into sin, but then— you know, they've got choices to make and mm-hmm. there's a conscience and there's a Holy Spirit that's chasing them down. Um, but even in that, the struggle of the outside voices and the noises in our culture, they're calling them to choose something that really, I think a lot of them in their hearts don't want to choose, but they don't see a way out. And it's just a powerful thing. So y'all check out embracegrace.com. Mm-hmm. Tell us quickly, and I want to pray over people that are listening to us as we close, Amy, but tell us a little bit about your book. Is your story in your book? Yeah, my story is in my book, Help Her Be Brave, Discover Your Place in the Pro-Life Movement. I wrote it because so many people were like, okay, I want to get involved in the movement, but what do I do? Do yeah. I just Google it? Like, I don't know what, where to get started. So a lot of people were saying that. Mm. So I wrote the book to kind of raise awareness of all the opportunities that are out there, but it has over 300 practical ideas of how just an average Christian yes. can get involved in the movement. So, so it's got great stories and also great practical ways to get involved. So It's so good. That's our heart is give people practical things that they can stick their hands in and get down and do it. So as we think about, um, you know, what God's wanting to do through ordinary people, I'm going to keep harping on this because I, I really feel like some of us just think, oh, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to, and I'm not minimizing prayer. I'm mm-hmm. all about prayer. But I'm just going to pray for people, mm-hmm. but the power of what they can do. I want you to pray specifically. Let's pray over people that are listening to us that are realizing that they've we've turned a page mm-hmm. and that they have to do something in this um, and how they can do that with their local church or their crisis pregnancy center near them, or how could they can be empowered to just serve one person? Will you pray over them? And then also mm-hmm. Amy, let's just pray over the hearts of, of women or men that are experiencing this issue right now. Mm-hmm. And they're listening to this and getting some hope, you okay. know, will you pray for them? I would love to. God, we just thank you so much for every listener or viewer that's watching, God. And we know that it's not coincidence or accident that they are watching today. And so yes. we just pray that you stir all the hearts that are listening, God, to to action of some sort, God, and that they are not, they don't disqualify themselves because of their story or their past, but that you qualify them. And Revelation 12, 11 says, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So God, give us the um, courage to be able to share our stories, even if if anyone's listening that's had an abortion before God. We just thank you for yes. um, that you heal and that you also um, empower us to be able to be the person that we wish we had years ago when we made that decision. Who did we need? And that we can step into that role and be that for someone else, that we can be that friend that we needed during that time in order for uh, that that would have maybe made the, the story be different. God, 
And so we just pray for healing and courage for people that are listening, but, but also for people to, to recognize the strengths and the gifts that you put inside of them to do the good works that you've called them to do, not just for they have a better job and all of that, which all of that is great, God, but you put things inside of them so that they can make a difference in the kingdom, so that we can make heaven crowded and by, um, by loving and discipling Mm -hmm. people through the the resources and things that you put inside of us, guys. So we just pray for courage and action um, and just for tangible ways that they that makes their hearts come alive of how they want to get involved in the movement. And, and also, God, for anybody that's listening that maybe um, is experiencing an unexpected pregnancy right now, God, we mm-hmm. just pray that you feel the courage to be able to make a life decision and yes, that God. God puts people in your life that helps you um, feel confirmed in that decision. I know so many um, say that they're praying that God would give them a sign whether they should keep this baby or not. And I know we as God's people are the sign and this and you even listening and watching this episode right now, this is your sign Mm. to choose life that he he has equipped you with everything that you need to carry this baby, whether you place this baby for adoption or whether you choose to parent. God is with you every step of the way and he will walk alongside you. And um, there is going to be a church support system that's there to walk alongside you as well. And you you are not alone. You have God and you have God's people. And we're in this with you. So, God, we just thank you for um, everything that you do for us and for um, that just that we get to partner with you in order Mm -hmm. to make abortion unthinkable. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Amy Ford. Thank you. Such an honor to meet you. And I I said before we started recording, I feel like you're my sister from another mother. The energy that you have to go, um, and and we all know it's hard to network with churches and to get sometimes churches moving. So I just want to honor you for your faithfulness through the years to this issue. And guys, we have a lot to do. So if you're in a local church, I want you to reach out to your pastor, your elder, your deacons, whoever um, you feel like you have a relationship with, that you can talk to them about this. And if there's not a pro-life ministry, or even if there is, there's not Embrace Grace, in their church. Uh, Get Embrace Grace in your local church, and um, we're going to be doing more together in the future. So thank you so much, Amy. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for this incredible podcast. What in the time we've had. We love you so much. We love being in your life. Have you subscribed? Have you shared this with your family and friends? Please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Rumble wherever you get your audio or video pods. We need your help. This mission is undergirded by individuals just like you that support this ministry monthly, annually, and whenever you think about us to be able to reach over a million Christians in the next two years. That's our goal. We want to empower a million Christians around America to pray, vote, and engage regularly. Will you help us? We're here to do that, and we need your help. I want to say thank you to our partners at The Stream. What an incredible online publication put out by James Robinson and Life Outreach International. As we come together across denominational lines as believers to discern what God's saying about the news of the day and to hear from different viewpoints. Check out The Stream, make it your homepage, and get on their email list. This product is amazing. Also, our partners at Edify app, put out by Christian Post. This podcast app is a convergence of Bible teachers around America. We're excited to be a part of Edify app 
check out all their other podcasts. Thank you so much again for caring about this nation. We're here to help you pray, vote, and engage. We'll see you next week.